Hi, this is Ben Lola, Back to the Bible Canada. Today we continue our series, Amazing Grace, More Than I Imagined, with guest Bible teacher, Dr. Rob Goddard. Pastor Goddard continues today with a message that explains what it means to be sculpted by grace. So let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, as today's text. When I was pastoring as a youth pastor with my wife, Lori, and Sam and Arm, we had the incredible privilege of leading youth closer to Jesus. And we would begin every new year with two questions. What is a Christian? And how do you become a Christian? Now, those might seem like incredibly simple questions, and yet so many in our early ministry missed it. And I wonder if so many miss it today. You see, there are two problems that plague humanity, and this is not something new to our times. The one, I am too sinful for God to forgive me. The other, I can accept Jesus into my life, and there is no change. What is a Christian? How do you become a Christian? How would you answer those questions today? You see, it's absolutely essential that not only do you use the right terminology, but you have the right definitions for the terminology you use. Jesus wants us to have a relationship with him that drives and defines all that we are and all that we say and all that we do. And there are many who will claim to be followers of his that never actually knew him. That's what Matthew 7, 21 teaches. The amazingness of grace, that sweet, sound, sweet word to our ears, is not only amazing because of the wretchedness of sin and the wrath of God and the gift of Jesus on the cross. You see, the passage is not done yet. The wealth of grace, something we will echo back and forth throughout all eternity, is amazing. And yet a full understanding of the wealth of grace is even Richer than that, there's the wonder of transformation. God's grace accepts us as we are, but it never leaves us that way. He changes us. He calls us into a relationship with Him. And then by grace, through faith, we grow to become more and more like Him. Grace, as we discovered, is God's free, unmerited favor shown to guilty sinners who deserve only judgment. And that favor that God shows us is not only at conversion, as shocking and wonderful as that is, it it saves us, but it also changes us. If we understand the doctrine of salvation correctly, it is something that a child can wade in and an elephant can drown in. You see, becoming a Christian is simple. And yet the depth of the gospel of grace can never be fully understood until we get to glory. And so as we celebrate grace, as we try to understand what it means together, as we turn to the word of God to grasp that, it's my hope that through this study, you will find and experience not only a deeper understanding of the doctrine of grace, but that this understanding will drive you deeper in your relationship with Jesus that your praise will be richer, your intimacy with him more fulfilling, and the delight you have, the abundant life that he promises will be realized. It's my longing that as true, authentic 
believers, our walk with Jesus would be one that makes us those who are in the world, but not of the world. And the beginning of that, the carrying on of that, the finishing of that is all in the reality of the beauty of grace. If you have your Bibles nearby, I would encourage you again to open them to Ephesians chapter 2, where we want to finish off this amazing passage with the reality of the sculpting of grace. Let's read the passage together. Remember what we have learned and then build on that again with the longing to experience this richness in our lives. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. There it is, the wretchedness of sin and the wrath of God. And then these beautiful words. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 10 is so profound. So many of us will know if we've been in the church for very long, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and those are rich and powerful verses, but should always be quoted in the context of verse 10. The amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, never leaves me like that, but always changes me. I want us to notice in this verse some powerful realities that if we understand will give us confidence and meaning and purpose in a life that is lived for the glory of God. For we are his workmanship. The first thing I want us to notice is that God is an artist. Now, if you love the outdoors, I suppose you already knew that, but this is the richness of him being an artist on his children. In fact, not only are we saved from being objects of wrath, now we're reaching this pinnacle of being his, his workmanship. The Greek for the word that is translated workmanship is poimeia, and as F.F. F. Bruce points out, a good translation of this word would be work of art. Now, don't move on too quickly from this reality. God is an artist, and God is creating his work of art. Have you ever sat stunned at the beauty of God's creation? A sunset, a sunrise, the beauty of water or mountains or the colors of fall, so rich, so overwhelming. Have you ever hiked to the top of the mountain and looked out over the mountain ranges and gasped in worship. God is an artist. And yet the focus of this text is not on his creation, but rather on us as those he is creating. We are his work of art as followers of him. As we realize this, it will change how we experience value and 
confidence. We'll find it in Him, not in our own strength, not in our own beauty, but in what He is doing in us. My mom's favorite poem so richly portrays this. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin." But he held it up with a smile. What am I to bid, good people, he cried. Who starts the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar, do I hear two? Two dollars, make it three, three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three? But no, from the room far back, a gray-bearded man came forward and picked up the bow and then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings, he played a melody pure and sweet. As sweet as the angel sings, the music ceased and the auctioneer with a voice that was quiet and low said, what now am I bid for this old violin? As he held it aloft with its bow, one thousand, one thousand, do I hear two, two thousand, who makes it three, three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he, the audience cheered, but some of them cried, we just don't understand what changed its worth. Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune, all battered with bourbon and gin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin, a mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He is going once, he is going twice, he is going and almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. This poem is beautiful and yet it even falls short of what this verse is actually teaching. Not only are we touched by the master's hand, and that is profound, we are actually his work of art. Do you see yourself through the eyes of the master artist? Do you see yourself through the reality of what it means to know that he is at work on you and in you? Today forward is the great motto of the believer, the old is gone, that means your sin in the past, That means the richness of His love upon you. There's never any time that a true believer should ever not feel confident in the beauty of God's work in their lives. I wonder how many of us have actually thought about God as an artist when it comes to our salvation. When we're saved, we continue to experience and be sustained by God's grace every day as we live for Him. But what an incredible truth to realize that He doesn't just make us alive. He molds us into works of art for His good purpose. A powerful image to reflect on. And as we continue, Pastor Goddard will continue to develop on this thought. Thanks so much for listening. You know, in our day and age, it's more important than ever that we recover a passion for God's Word and proclaim what it actually says. But it's impossible for a ministry like ours to accomplish this alone. Together as the body of Christ, we can make a difference to tell a dying world the life-changing truths found in the Bible. If you share our heart for this mission, and if you've been impacted yourself by the Bible teaching of Back to the Bible Canada, perhaps you'd consider offering a gift to help sustain our daily programming. If you're unable to give, please pray that God would continue to bless and grow the impact of Bible teaching across Canada. Thanks again for your support, and if you'd like to respond with a gift today, you can do so at backtothebible.ca or call us at one 800 663 2425. 
And now let's go back to the Bible with Pastor Rob Goddard. As much as we can be overwhelmed at the amazing reality that God is an artist and I am his work of art, there's more to this verse that allows us to understand the richness of the amazing grace of God. The text says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, we won't spend a lot of time on this point, but I want us to understand that God's artwork is done in Christ Jesus. We are created through God's activity in Christ for us. That, that is how he does his artwork in us and then on us. You see, it's a relationship with Jesus, and in that relationship, we are changed. We are literally found in Christ. The reality that this text teaches we're created in Christ Jesus really means that we're created through God's activity in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the mediator of this new creation. God makes us alive in Jesus, and he changes us in Jesus by grace through faith. We must never forget as those who bask in the amazing grace of God that Jesus is supreme and God's artwork, me, I am being worked on through Jesus in my life. He is the one I'm in. He is the one that is forming me. He is the one I worship and praise. There is a one-time creation in which we are made practically perfect, but also he's at work in me to form me into the image of Christ. That's how Paul explains it in Galatians as he longs for those people to have Jesus formed in them. God is an artist and I am his artwork. God's artwork is done in Christ Jesus. And then we notice something that if we grasp, we'll forever change how we live life, how we look at life, how we walk from day to day and notice things that are going on around us. And that is that God's artwork has a purpose. So not only is it an artist, not, not only is it done in Jesus, but there's a reason that he's at work in us. Listen to the verse again. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, if you remember the context, we are saved from being objects of wrath, from the wretchedness of sin. Jesus has paid the penalty for sin on the cross as he died and rose again, having lived a perfect life. And this saving grace always leads to a sculpting grace, and this sculpting grace always includes the reality that God actually is thinking ahead for our life, is planning ahead for our life, and His purpose, His reality for you and for me, if we're authentic in our faith, is to have things that He desires for us to do, planned for us to do. Now, this never absolves us from effort, but it does mean that God gets all of the glory for what he does in us. I just want you to pause for a minute with your Bibles open and your heart engaged and realize that your life has purpose, that God is at work in you if you're his follower to accomplish something for his glory, to make an eternal impact, and he wants you to engage not only in praise to him for his amazing grace, but also in effort to accomplish that. I love Philippians 2, 12 to 13, which talks about working out our salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in us, both to will and to act according to his good glory. You see, God is the one changing the heart 
He is the one at work, but we are in that to pursue for ourselves this new way of seeing life, this longing to do what he desires us to do. In Titus chapter 2, in a few days, what we'll notice is we become a people eager to do good. Grace without transformation is cheap grace, and it's not God's grace at all. Grace sculpts us. It changes us. It prepares us for this incredible opportunity to do works which will impact eternity as a part of the eternal plan of the living God. Oh, the overwhelming joy and meaning and purpose the people of God will feel and experience if we could but begin to grasp this incredible reality. Grace is the only adequate resource for a life of good works in this world. And we'll look at that as well in a few messages But when we understand that grace is for salvation and we experience the richness and the amazingness of that grace, it will overwhelm us. God is an artist. God's artwork is done in Christ Jesus. God's artwork has a purpose and God's artwork is well thought through. He doesn't do anything by accident. He didn't save us by accident accident. He didn't place us where we are by accident. We're not married to the wrong person today. We're not with the wrong children or parents or in the wrong workplace. For today, God has a plan for us, and that plan involves good works. Now, if you're involved in sin, immediately reject that sin. That's part of following Jesus. But always in your life, be aware that God has good works. He's prepared in advance for you to do. He's prepared you. He's made you. You're his work of art, and and he's made you for a purpose to do works which he has thought through ahead of time with purpose, with, with meaning, with an incredible reality of the privilege of being able to impact eternity. Do you realize this about yourself? In Ephesians 1, it tells us that he chose us in him before the creation of the world. And when we experience his amazing grace, especially as we see it here in Ephesians chapter 2, it's not only the joy of being saved from the deadness that we were in, in our sin, the wrath of God, but also the joy of being saved to something, to a, to a purpose, to meaning, to the value we find in Jesus, to good works which he has planned in advance for us to do. Here's the reality. Almighty God has made you his work of art for good works to accomplish his will in a lost and hurting world. Let me state it another way. Almighty God has sculpted you by grace through faith in Christ Jesus to be a part of his eternal plan. In Psalms, there's a word that you can read. It may not ring true to you. It's the word sila. Well, what does that mean? It just means stop and hesitate and think and meditate on this. And that would be my challenge for you. You are probably living a very busy life and have many things to do. I just think now is a time to gasp in awe and realize that God is an artist, that he is at work in my life as an artist in Christ Jesus, and that this Artwork has good works to do that are well thought through in advance. That is overwhelming. Maybe today you're feeling discouraged. Maybe today you look at your own life and you wonder why you don't measure up or why you don't have the joy that God wants you to have. And when those questions were asked initially, what is a Christian? How do you become a Christian? You 
not only thought they were simple, you were a little confused. Today, if you feel like you're too sinful for God to forgive, if people knew what you thought or what you did in the privacy of your own life, you would not experience their love and tenderness towards you. Please hear from the Word of God that His grace is enough. He can forgive. So many examples of this in the Bible and in history, but here is the example for you that you need to hear no matter what you have done. If you will turn to Him by grace through faith, He will forgive. And not only will he forgive, he will offer you a new life in him. He will make you his work of art. He will give you meaning and purpose. And and so if you're listening to this and you've wondered what the meaning of your life was, you've, you've struggled with that, you've felt despair, today is your opportunity as you meditate on this text, as you've listened to the word of God, to allow that to impact not only how you think, but what you experience And so in boldness and confidence with new eyes, look for where God would have you to be at work as his work of art. Let's pray. Father, would you help us to experience the richness of the reality of your grace in our own lives? For those that are hurting, would today's message be one of comfort, of meaning, of purpose, that they would be able to get up tomorrow morning and remember the realities that have been taught in your word? Father, if there are those who don't know you as Lord and Savior, would today be the day that they would trust in you, that they would follow you? Would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, make the reality of grace one that they experience? We thank you so much for this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a challenging message, particularly for those of us who have been a part of the church for some time. God calls us to examine our faith to see if there's evidence of good fruit in our lives. We should see evidence of the grace that has been so lavishly poured out for us. So are you being sculpted by His grace today? Are you striving to grow more in this grace day after day? I hope this message has encouraged and challenged you no matter where you're at in your faith journey. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Rob continues to teach us about how we can grow in grace from Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. I hope you've been enjoying listening to this special series on Amazing Grace. We're learning about what the doctrine of grace means and how we as believers need to be reminded of the gospel every day. Well, this topic happens to fit into a great resource that we're offering to our listeners this month. The I Will Tell DVD features a sermon on John 3.16 preached by Dr. John Newfeld during Back to the Bible Canada's national tour this past June. In this message, we rediscover the importance of evangelism and why it's so essential for God's people to proclaim God's love. Dr. Neufeld's teaching also helps us to gain a new perspective on one of the most familiar passages of the Bible. And I believe it will challenge you in your understanding of the depth of God's love. This unique video, I Will Tell, is available today for free. So call us at 1-800-663-2425 or email us at info at backtothebible.ca. And if you'd like an additional copy for a friend or for the church library, they're available for $10 plus shipping and handling. 
The number again is 1-800-663-2425.